Hello everyone, this is Mark Vina with more insights and strategy. Today is Wednesday, September 18th, 2019. We've got a fun podcast uh, today. It's probably going to be a lot of laughs and a lot of um, uh, fooling around. I hope we get to get to some serious stuff. But I've got a great um, podcast today planned with um, a former colleague of mine who many of you probably already know, especially if, you, if, you've, if you're a gamer. Uh, his name is Frank Azor. And he is the chief architect of Gaming Solutions, a very big title uh, at AMD. I worked with uh, Frank years ago. I actually met Frank when he was three years old, and he worked at. Uh, <laughs> I think you were three years old, Frank. Was I still in uh, diapers? <laughs> I think I think you were because I just you know I, I saw you at E three not uh, too long ago, and you look like you haven't really changed. I mean, I know you lost a little bit of hair, but um, you know Frank and I uh, worked together uh, after I. Um, I joined Alienware to run their marketing team. Frank ran the product and the engineering group at Alienware, and, and we quickly became very good friends, and we've stayed in touch for a long period of time. But it uh, should be a fun call because we want to talk about uh, gaming, what's going on in the gaming space, and you know more specifically what uh, Frank will be doing um, in his new role at AMD because he picked a, tr a tremendous type, uh, time to join the company. But Frank, introduce yourself to the More Insights and Strategy podcast audience. Hey, thanks, Mark. I mean, that was, uh, I think, a much better introduction than I can possibly offer uh, and, and a hard act to follow. Um, but <laughs> hey, everyone, I'm, I'm Frank Azor. Um, was a big part of Alienware for the majority of its uh, lifespan up until this past July. Um, I uh, left a 21-year career at Alienware um, and where I also, as part of Dell, after the acquisition in 2006, I helped Dell out with the XPS and the G-Series uh, brands and product lines as well to, to come join AMD. Um, it's a, a big change for me. Uh, first time I changed uh, jobs and companies in my entire working career. Um, so just been having a, a blast over here, learning a ton. Um, there's an incredible amount of complexity and challenges and also opportunities a company mm. like AMD, and, and I'm abs absolutely having a blast over here. But thank you for the opportunity to, to reconnect, Mark. No, I appreciate that, Frank. And, you know, you and I talked about this at E3, um, that, you know, you are obviously a very loyal guy. You know, you were at Alienware for a long, you know, a long period of time. You were there at the very, very beginning when the company um, was founded by Nel Nelson and Alex. And, uh, and you know, even though, um, you know, the, the AMD opportunity was very, very exciting, I mean, Dell's a fantastic company, and you know, you and I talked about this many, many times. Is that I'm sure the the amount of business experience that you that you kind of collected at uh, Dell uh, was remarkable. But it had to be tough because I know you have a lot of great friends still over there. Um, but uh, that doesn't minimize the opportunity you have at AMD because AMD, I think, is in such a, uh, a tremendous place right now. You know, with their um, with what they've done on the processor side, what they're doing on the graphics side. You know, Lisa has done a, a remarkable job over there. So I think it's a very uh, interesting strategic decision that they made to go after a guy like you uh, because gaming is, is still a very relevant um, part of the uh, technology experience in the consumer side. And we should talk a little bit about that. But first of all, let, I, you know, let's talk about your role because, you know, Chief Architect of Gaming Solutions is a great title. I know you want that. You asked Lisa to uh, call you um, Master of the Universe in gaming, but she wouldn't go <laughs> for that title. Uh, but let's talk a little bit, as much as you can. Let's talk a little bit about you know what that because it's a new function, it's a new title, and a new area at AMD. Kind of shows their their passion and commitment to the gaming space. But if you can talk at a, at a high level about what you'll be doing over there. 
Yeah, absolutely happy to. Um, you know, AMD, what's interesting about AMD and it, it's that over the years is its position of strength has really been in the gaming and in the enthusiast segment of the market. Mm-hmm. They've always been um, kind of the, the scrappy underdog that has always put uh, or tried to put at least performance first in everything that is done. Um, whether in CPU or GPUs, and it's uh, been um, a, a huge trailblazer mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to disrupting the industry in, in favor of enthusiasts and gamers. I mean, first to hit one gigahertz uh, back in the Athlon days. That's right. Uh, I, I was first, there for that at at, uh, at Compaq when they when they yep. did the first one gigahertz Athlon C- CPU. Yeah. And at and at Alienware, I mean, the, the demand for Athlon CPUs at that time was just astronomical. Mm-hmm. That uh, we had a really hard time getting supply uh, um, at the time, which has led to a, a bunch of really funny stories, actually. <laughs> um, but then, since then, when you look at what AMD's accomplished, you know they've, they've had their challenges, of course, and it's no secret um, uh, in, in the PC segment. In some cases, you know the CPUs weren't nearly as competitive for a long time. Um, for the years after that, the, the peak of Athlon, um, and all that's changed recently. Uh, but what AMD did is they they carved their way um, really well into uh, the console industry, and yes. mm-hmm. a, a lot of consoles um, ended up being powered by AMD one way or another. And even most recently, the uh, the existing Xbox, the existing PlayStation, and the next generation Xbox and and the next generation PlayStation. That's correct. That's correct. Have yes. already been announced um, as uh, AMD solutions. Google Stadia platform has also partnered with AMD. So. When you look at AMD's roots in gaming, they're long, they're deep. Um, in the PC side, there's been some challenges. Um, and you know what? What I wanted to do is come over and, and help them. Now that um, you know they're they're back in the race with a really competitive um, and arguably superior CPU part, and making a lot of progress on the graphics side. Uh, I wanted to come over and, and help them fully realize that opportunity, uh, especially amongst gamers. Um, mm-hmm. It's a company that uh, has a ton of gamers working within it and has a lot of respect for gamers and a lot of passion around gaming. And I think um, the move that Lisa's made in, in bringing me on board and, uh, and, and the move that I've made in coming on board is a hell of a testament to how committed the company is uh, to this segment trying to put gamers first in, in everything that we're doing. Well, well, you know, let's dive a deep bit into a question in terms because you've been there, you know, from the very beginning in terms of kind of the very early days of the, the gaming space. You know, there, there are very distinct, um, I, uh, you know, characteristics of the PC gamer versus the console gamer. Um, you know, there's, there's plus sides and, uh, and downsides to being a console gamer versus a PC gamer's. And uh, but let's just talk at a macro level. When you kind of look back, you know, uh, with your photographic memory, your Joe Biden photographic like memory. Uh, <laughs> that's just a joke to, to all the Democrats that are out there. Uh, the, the 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 question I have for you is that when you kind of take a, a look back at twenty thousand feet, how has the gaming space changed and evolved? You know, at a really high level, because I'm sure that's a, a constant discussion you've had you had internally at, at Alienware at Dell many many times I'm sure you're having those kind of discussions today but a big picture you know how has the gaming space evolved over the last uh, 20 years or so I think every aspect of the gaming industry and uh, and market has evolved um, 
20 years ago, esports existed in a way, um, but it was a very different way that we did esports. We, we mm-hmm. got together in LAN parties. LAN parties, and, uh, right. Mm-hmm. You know, anything from two to five to 500 people would get together sometimes on the weekends and we blow the circuits at the hotels that we get together, the power circuits and, you know, they, they couldn't handle the capacity and you go to QuakeCon and everybody would be wheeling in their desktops that weighed 70 they're pounds rigs. and they're, they're, big rigs, yeah, they're yep. 60, 70 pound, uh, uh, flat, or not flat screens, uh, <laughs> CRT monitors. Um, but you know, that, that sense of community was always there, even if it's in, in the infancy of those days. Um, and we've seen that evolve, obviously, into the the phenomenon uh, that we refer to as esports today, modern esports, mm-hmm. um, which has been an incredible evolution of its own. Mm-hmm. The content has evolved immensely as well. In the old days, you had to pay typically, uh, you know, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty dollars for a game up front. You'd install that on floppy disks <laughs> or three and a half inch disks. That was a single um, license. It was a single license. If you had more than one system, you had to buy three or four versions of the game. Oh uh, yeah, and <laughs> then know? you had this. Uh, you know, everybody had their own type of um, uh, cop or like this privacy con- or pirating control, whether it be a a CD key in the box or right. Oh my God. Talk about a flashback. Yes, and if you I lost remember that. the box, if you lost you're, the box and ever had to reinstall, yeah, you're screwed. That's it. It's yeah. over. You have the game all over again. Right. Um, there were, you know, getting patches at that time. You had to go to these weird, obscure websites to go download patches. If you can remember that you had to go check and see if patches existed for the game. If you wanted to play a multiplayer game over a modem to make sure that the two of you had the same version of the game and you were patched to the same release. It was hell. I mean, the friction was just so high. Right. Um, and then we saw solutions like uh, Valve uh, came to the market with Steam centered around the Half-Life 2 launch, and that started to really change the game. But what's funny is that that was met with so much resistance at the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I had to right, download right. this thing on my computer, and it has to do the DRM, the digital rights management, and download the game. and. You know, it was met with so much resistance, but they were truly disruptive pioneers because now you think about how we consume almost all of our games, and they're almost all coming in over the Internet. Um, right. All those patching issues are all been uh, resolved. The DRM issues have been resolved. The games move with you from PC to PC almost seamlessly. So it's, it's a much better experience, and it's, it's been an experience that a lot of other companies have been able to um, develop upon to, de- to build their own solutions, whether it be uh, EA's Origin, uh, or Epic's or Game Store, or whatever the case may be, um, you know that that foundation that Valve laid and that disruption that they did for the industry has uh, has driven a huge evolution in well, how we consumer games. Yeah, and, and you know, and the other couple of things you kind of hinted at it. I mean, first and foremost, the, the business model has changed in terms of the way you get games. I mean, now you know if you kind of fast forward to today, you've got Microsoft that has you know fabulous streaming services. Uh, that you can, you know, you can pay a monthly fee and get access to a huge library of games, and it's, you know, mm-hmm. which is terrific for a lot of people who want to kind of test out different games. Gamers tend to be very passionate, tend to, you know, focus on a handful of games, but they're a curious bunch, and sometimes they like to play other games. The other thing is that the um, with the with the rise of broadband, really fast broadband. Um, and it's even going to get more crazy and more opportunistic, I think, when 5G comes out. That's certainly going to be a, a tailwind that's going to promote all kinds of interesting, um, you know, online gaming scenarios because of the, the latency advantages and, you know, the other, the other advantages associated with 5G is the fact that, you know, gaming now has moved outside the LAN party 
um, situation where I remember my first day at Alienware. I think I showed up at the office around four o'clock and everybody was gone. And they were, uh, if I recall, you, everything was shut down and there was like 150 <laughs> people, you know, again, playing, they had the headphones on and they were immersed in whatever they were playing at that particular time. Um, and it was it probably was, Unreal Tournament. I, I think assume. it was, I think it was Unreal Tournament. I think that was exactly it. And, uh, yeah, and they never played Madden football because if I, I have to say a little well, thing. Well, because I would always beat you, so why bother uh, to play? I mean, okay, that, that the is, results that, were predictable. That is a complete lie, and there will be a, there will be a federal investigation into that because <laughs> what what you know, Arthur Lewis and several others of the senior executive team at Alienware. It was such a great company to work for because around 5.15, people didn't go to a bar. They would say, okay, let's go into Mark's <laughs> office and let's play some Madden football. And I would kick all of your asses. I mean, let's be very clear. Uh, I think uh, uh, there were plenty of $20 bills exchanged in my favor, uh, to, at least to my recollection, Okay, uh, well, as a result cool. of Madden uh, matches. Well, we, um, still have, we still have to play again. But, you know, but, but the interesting thing is that, you know, to your, uh, I think to the point you made before, Gaming is really is really a communal experience, you know, and there is and, a, com a, com a camaraderie, and there's a love and respect, and that thing is it's not just technology; it's it's kind of uniting people's personalities, people who have common interests and common passion, and I think it's going to get even better over time when um, you know you see five G come along because that'll be a terrific enabling technology. And, and that's I think the, the the evolution of I mean every aspect of gaming has evolved. To go back to your original question, I gave some. Mm -hmm. Just two drastic examples there, but the, the one that I'm most proud of um, and that I, it surprises me the most and that really just brings me so much joy being part of this industry is is exactly that, the communal aspect of gaming. You know, uh, it's really, it takes veterans like you and I who can remember the old world of, p of computing and gaming um, that to, to, to be able to understand this, um, you know, folks that are much younger, they, they grew up in a different world, uh, but mm -hmm. we grew up in a world where being a gamer was being a weird, obscure minority. Um, I, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I remember being referred to as the nerd in uh, in, in school, and uh, you know, I only had about three friends. That Frank, knew let how me to correct play you. Video. Frank, let me I know I'm still a nerd. Still a nerd, and you only have three now, friends, and, I, and I'm but one of now them. But being a nerd, at least, at least I. Maybe I'm living in a fantasy land, but at least now being a nerd is kind of cool. It's like socially accepted. Um, mm -hmm. But back then, you know, it, it was it was tough. It was tough to be, have a passion for PCs and to have a passion for PC gaming. Right. It was tough to find other folks that um, had similar passion or were willing to admit that they had a similar passion and that they decided to spend their time in a mm -hmm. internet in a digital entertainment world. Um, I think the internet helped bring us together. I think the popularity of games and the incredible franchises that the game developers have built for us around characters that we admire that we can relate to the storytelling that's occurred in games and, and how that has evolved it's drawn more and more of us into the into the into the, the industry and into the into the market and when i go to these uh events and trade shows um you know whether it be pax i was at GamesCon just a few weeks ago mm -hmm. um you know, i just love walking around seeing the cosplay seeing the crowds seeing the lines of people, uh, you know, giving up their time, which is extremely valuable for any of us because they're right. that passionate about the content that is being brought to them. Right. And that's, that's what I'm probably the evolution that I'm, I'm most proud of. And, uh, as a gamer, it's, it's an incredible time to be alive right now and to be part of this. Well, and, and, you know, the other thing we haven't talked about, and one of the big things that changed since the early days when we were at Alienware 
was that you know gaming PC gaming at that much was very much a desktop mini tower experience because the CPUs had to be overclocked there was a lot of exotic solutions that were used at the time because Intel CPUs and even AMD CPUs at the time really were not designed with overclocking in mind so you had there was all kinds of exotic water cooled and other type of um, capabilities to cool the system down um, but you and you needed the horse you know you, not only did you need that kind of horsepower but you also needed um, you know, power supplies are humongous for the time. And what's changed dramatically, and actually Alienware was part of that, Dell was part of that, is this movement toward notebooks as a really powerful gaming platform. Because, I, you know, I think if we had a time machine back in 2002, Frank, and we could see, and if we could have looked forward saying, oh, my God, here are the kind of notebooks we're going to have in 2019, uh, the performance is unbelievable. I mean, you, you get desktop-like gaming performance with, uh, with the uh, notebooks that are available today, and of course, notebooks enable an, an incredibly mobile experience. You don't, you know, you, you don't have that kind of complex setup time that you do you had with um, desktop. So let's talk a little bit about that because um, you know the, the uh, you know gaming is becoming very much a mobile experience, whether it's at the notebook level. You know now with Apple getting into the um, the gaming space itself with its arcade service, that will be of course more. Um, uh, focused on uh, the iPhone and the iPad and, and, and those kind of uh, mobile devices. But gaming is even kind of, you know, permeating into those type of um, platforms mm -hmm. as well. And then, of course, you've got the Google Stadia service, which will be here shortly, and that's going to be another interesting um, type of play in terms of cloud-based gaming. But can, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's pretty important, you know, in terms of... Yeah, it's uh, interesting. It's funny because we were talking about LAN parties, and that was actually the inspiration for the first gaming notebook that we developed is uh, we were we were hosting a LAN party at Alienware like we did uh, about every month, a formal where everyone brings in their PC. Mm -hmm. And um, everyone's struggling. We had stairs and, you know, everyone's like, hey, help me lift up my 70-pound <laughs> monitor. And, and Alienware's right. always built these really big, powerful desktops. And back then they were even heavier because we had two, three, and four graphics cards in them. You had multiple five and a quarter inch drives um you just had there was just so much more complexity in the pc design for it to be an enthusiast pc that these towers were weighing like 60 70 pounds right and uh we had this uh this really uh i would say visionary product manager um who came and said why don't we build a gaming notebook and I, the whole everybody just laughed at him I mean, mm -hmm. we mocked him. You know who I'm referring to. Yes, I do. I, rem <laughs> I, remember, I remember that very well, and I will not disclose that name on the podcast. <laughs> but we all mocked the hell out of him, and we're like, no one's going to ever play games on a, on a notebook. Right. Um, you know, it's a de we're living in a desktop world. There's not enough performance. Who wants a game on a small screen? Mm -hmm. And uh, he just kept fighting for it. His persistence was incredible. And I, I remember our CEO at the time, Nelson, said, look, look, just... Uh, Go off if you can do it, and if this thing can actually play games, then maybe we'll consider it. Right. So you know he didn't really we didn't really see or hear much for like six months, um, and he came back and he said, "Here you go. Here's our first gaming notebook." Mm -hmm. And um, you know it wasn't a finished product by any means. You know, you, you, if you try and visualize that, you think to yourself, "This beautiful shiny object came you know came out of the, the sky and it was just working perfectly." That wasn't exactly the uh, what happened here. Um, but it was a, it was a product. It was a little bit thick um, by all standards, but uh, it, it fired up a game, mm -hmm. and it played that game. At, back then, we you know it was ten twenty four by seven sixty eight was uh, was the resolution that most of us were targeting. 
And it was capable of playing that game at that resolution. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that bad of an experience, quite honestly. It was what I would say an acceptable experience. It wasn't the best, but it was acceptable. Right. And, you know, what he started doing is he started bringing that as his gaming system to LAN parties. So either the ones we hosted for our employees or even local area uh, South Florida LAN parties that we go to. And people would look at him like, you know, he was this alien coming in here with this 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 thing that just didn't fit the profile. And little by little, um, you know, we introduced the product. We started having a lot of success. More and more people started warming up to the idea of the convenience of having a notebook instead of having to lug all these desktops around. And it, it just started to gain some traction. I remember going to a LAN party about a couple years after that. And there was like three gaming notebooks, either from us or our competitors at that LAN party. Mm-hmm. Uh, then a few years after that, there was um, about 15% of the systems at the LAN party were, were notebooks. And suddenly the stigma of you know notebooks not being truly gaming devices it started to fade. And now when you look out there, um, you know they, they, they hold their own in the market. Right. They still have their compromises. They're not, I think a gaming desktop is the ultimate gaming setup by all means. Sure. Um, but uh, if you want one device that you can do work and you can um, you can go to school and use it as your everyday computing device, and then when you have some time, you can play a game on it and do all that on one single device. I, you know, notebooks have proven that uh, they serve a purpose, and they've been extremely successful for the companies that have built very good ones. Yeah, and well, you know, there's still advantages to having desktops. I mean, you can upgrade, you know, on the the kind of DIY systems, you can kind of upgrade the CPU. You know, sometimes that takes a lot of work. You might have to change the motherboard. You can upgrade the graphics. So there's an upgradability advantage if you buy a desktop. But the performance today of the laptops you get, you know, rival many, many, um, you know, appealing desktops. And, you know, going back to your story is that um, the person you're talking about in terms of um, bringing his... um, his, you know, his, um, that notebook to, or the, it wasn't a notebook, it was really more of a portable, portable uh, computer, is that he didn't have the back problems that the other guys had <laughs> like, uh, because they didn't have to ca- he didn't have to carry 90 pounds of stuff up a, uh, up a staircase. And I don't know if you remember this, but, and I'm sure you do, because you do have a DVD, Blu-ray drive-like memory. We, when we, we launched, remember, I, I want to say it was 19-inch or 20-inch notebooks, portables, Yep. Remember that we did that early on, and it was, you know, they were very premium. I mean, I want to say they were three or $4,000 at the time. And I think we did that promotion with the Superman movie that was coming yep. out. They had a custom paint job. Superman Returns. The, yeah. Yes, exactly. You know, but that was unbelievable. You know, I, I remember going into your office saying, is anybody going to buy a 19-inch? Because it clearly wasn't, it wasn't the kind of notebook you would take on a plane because you would, you, would, you would injure the person in front of you if you tried to open that. But the, it's amazing how the market has changed. And to your point, if I'm not mistaken, um, the notebooks now are the majority of sales, you know, uh, for in the, even in the gaming space. It's not desktops anymore. It, it, the numbers completely flipped around. Am I, aren't I correct about that? You're right. You know, I think uh, in the old days, when you, didn't, when you weren't able to integrate as much performance into a notebook, that's what we're able to do today. If you could afford to do so, you'd have a gaming desktop, and then you'd have a you know kind of a mainstream consumer or corporate notebook that you'd use for work or school. Um, as we've been able to uh, cram the amount of performance that we're able to do with modern computing today into these very aggressive form factors that make sense for you to be able to carry with you anywhere and everywhere you go, and then you've got that that gaming capability 
um, kind of dormant in there for when and, and it comes alive when you need it. The compromises between some of the more modern thin and light gaming notebooks that exist today um, and a you know, thin and light non-gaming notebook, for example, those deltas are so small nowadays that mm-hmm. more and more more and more folks are just um, buying a notebook to be their end-all, be-all solution. It's it does everything they need them to do, and uh, you know instead of necessarily upgrading a CPU or a GPU like we do in the desktop ecosystem, they just upgrade their notebook every three or four years, for right. example. Right. Um, so the 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 advancements in technologies in the notebook uh, form factor have just come to a point where the value proposition is so compelling that um, desktop again still reigns supreme in a lot of ways. Um, but, uh, it's, it's struggled a bit, I think, um, relative to how compelling notebooks have become. And in the couple of minutes we have left here, you know, before we, um, you know, get off the podcast here, let's talk a little bit about what your vision for AMD may be. And I know that's kind of a tough question simply because you haven't been there very long. You probably have figured out where the bathrooms are, but now (laughs) hopefully, hopefully you know that there'll be a test. Where are the bathrooms near Frank's office? Yeah, it's getting kind of exhausting holding it all day. So I hope I find them soon. (laughs) But any kind of high level thoughts on, you know, areas that are kind of interesting to AMD? that, uh, you know, that obviously you're not in a position to announce any definitive plans, but things that are kind of tantalizing, you know, um, and I, I, maybe, and I'll just kind of tease you, is it AI, VR? I mean, those are all exciting areas that are certainly going to become part of the gaming experience over time, but any kind of initial thoughts on that? Well, you know, what's interesting is I, I'm in a role where I'm working on a lot of the future um, technology and solutions that we are going to be bringing to market. So I have to be very careful about what, mm-hmm. I, uh, what I say and share. Um, what, what I'll tell you is what's fascinating about this company is they build the majority or, or a greater majority, I should say, than any other silicon company that exists today mm-hmm. of the silicon that gamers care about. You know, they build a high-performance CPU and they build a high-performance graphics chip. And while there are other elements, of course, that make up a great gaming system, those two are probably the most essential. Mm-hmm. And AMD is the only company in the world right now that uh, that does that. That, that um, stack. It owns that stack, right. It owns mm-hmm. the end, exactly, the end-to-end stack. So the opportunities that um, present themselves when you have both ends of that equation um, within your control are pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who understands... Um, gaming and gaming products and solutions as well as I do, and the gamer as well as I do, um, being in this industry now for 21 years, um, the ideas and the opportunities that we're incubating are are truly disruptive and groundbreaking. And uh, everything that I had hoped for around being able to come in here and, um, and try and capitalize on the fact on that the fact that that strategy is in place and that they are finally competitive on, on both of those components um, and, and the capabilities that this company has, uh, everything's really starting to come together around right. a strategy and a roadmap that is extremely exciting. Um, right. And it's not just exciting for AMD, um, but it's exciting for the future of gaming and the future of computing. Um, and that's what I think, you know, I'm very, I, I've spent my whole career trying to build products that, um, gamers and, and, and customers and consumers would value. And um, 
the way I think about everything is, is this a compelling product? Is this something that I would want to buy myself or people that I know would want to buy themselves? And that thought process coming into the organization um, is, is starting to uh, help us think, uh, evolve our thinking a little bit and think a little bit differently as well in, in thinking outside the silicon. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, they're very focused here on building amazing silicon and they do. Um, and I'm starting to help them think about, hey, how do we also think about the customer? How do we right. think about the customer experience? And how do we make that experience um, uh, unique mm-hmm. and better better than anything that's ever been done before? Right. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm kind of like, you, you mentioned uh, politics earlier. I don't want to go down that path, but I'm almost <laughs> like a, a, a representative for the gamer within the company. Um, and they have a lot of representatives when it comes to gaming silicon. Um, and I'm kind of helping represent the, the gamer from a, uh, a finished good, a finished product perspective. And that's, um, that's driving some pretty awesome work for us internally. So it's really exciting. I mean, this place, the capabilities of, um, of a company like AMD, like on the surface, I say, hey, they have the CPU and the GPU. But underneath that surface, they, like, they design and define every square nanometer of these pieces of silicon right and then all the software that goes wrapped around that silicon to make it work and make it work great you know they develop all of that right house. So, no no i i i you know it's funny i'm gonna call you senator azor by the way that's my next <laughs> um, the way i'm gonna kind of, i'm gonna really describe you going forward but i you know what's interesting and you and i talked about that you know um when you were moving to AMD, is that when you work at a silicon company, a really good silicon company like AMD that does control the entire video and processing stack, is that, you know, not to say that Dell is not a great engineering company because Dell does great products, Alienware, you know, developed great products. But when you work at a company that develops silicon, and I have some direct experience with that, with the seven years I spent at Synaptics running their PC touchpad business, you know, it's, it's, a, a, it's a level of technical detail and a level of technical expertise that is really remarkable. And I, and I, haven't, you know, I haven't talked to you in a few weeks, and I, I think I, I, it's fair to say that I bet you have met some amazing engineering and technical people, not to say there are not you know, brilliant people at other, the other PCOEMs, but when you're working for a, a silicon company, uh, company like AMD, especially when it's kind of hitting its stride right now, it's really amazing the type of um, people you find, uh, that you meet from an architectural standpoint. So um, I'm sure it's going to be a, a very exciting experience for you. I know you're going to do a lot of disruptive things over there. And um, I do appreciate your time on today's podcast, Frank. I could talk to you all day about this. And uh, I will send you my Venmo ID after this so you can pay me for all those Madden games that I did beat you at. I want to make that clear to the audience because he does owe me hundreds of dollars. And if I add the, in- the interest on it, compile. Hey, Madden's back on the PC, buddy. I so know. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm ready I'm, when you are. I will kick your butt out of Miami, frankly, yeah. and, I, and I will stream it live to the world so they can see it in real time. I, I, I have a handle. I haven't much. played Madden in probably a decade, and the last game I played was with you. So what I, I want to, I'm going to preface our match with that statement so that when I beat you, it'll be that much more embarrassing. We, we, we need to do a charity game. A charity game. It's the Mark Vina charity, and I know you'll be donating <laughs> to it very, very heavily. But listen, Frank, listen, thank you for your time. Uh, thanks to the More Insights and Strategy audience for listening to today's podcast. Please follow us on our usual social media suspect partners, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. And until next time, have a great weekend. <laughs>